The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota on June 23, 2013, based on Luke 9, verses 18 through 24. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens us to follow Jesus is the gospel for today, Luke 9, verses 18 and following. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago came back to life. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, The Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior, and especially our high school graduates, Rachel, Courtney, Evan, and Seth. Soon you'll be heading out from home, off to college. Maybe you've already started thinking about what you're going to be taking along and what you're going to be leaving behind. Where does Jesus fit into that? Will you leave behind the Jesus you've learned growing up at home and at church here and adopt new views of Jesus that fit in better with college life? No doubt you're ready to say now, of course not. I'm going to keep on believing in Jesus and and that's good. And yet that's a lot easier to say here in the safety of our church as opposed to a college campus or dorm room or life in general. And that's why now, now is the time to prepare yourself to confess who Jesus is. And and this really is not only for our college graduates, is it? It's for each and every one of us as we leave the safety of our community of believers and go out into this world. We too need to be prepared to confess who Jesus is. And to do that with that boldness and that confidence that only the Holy Spirit can bring to us and work in us. And so today we want to do that. We want to prepare ourselves to make that confession. For we know that confessing Jesus doesn't mean being able to win religious arguments. Confessing Jesus has much more to do with showing our faith. For that is how we confess who Jesus is, as we live our faith in our lives. For you see, Jesus is not like a piece of Play-Doh that we can mold into whatever shape suits us for the moment. 
Jesus, rather, is the solid, unchanging rock. Either we are built on him according to God's good and gracious will, or we are crushed beneath him because we've refused to confess him. And so, dear friends, dear graduates, confess who Jesus is. That's the theme here this morning. Confess that he is the Christ whom God has sent, part one, and confess that he is your Savior whom you follow, part two. Now, as we meet Jesus and the disciples in the text here, Jesus has been teaching his disciples for over two years. And he wants to get them ready for that time, which is probably about six or eight months down the road, when he will be taken from them, crucified, and then risen and ascend into heaven. He wants to prepare them for that time so that they can continue to confess who he is. And to get them ready for that, he asks who the crowd say that he is. And there's various answers that are given here, but it all boils down to that Jesus was some sort of great prophet. And that's really similar to a lot of answers we'll hear out in the world today about Jesus as well. Many people in the world have no trouble saying that Jesus was a great man and an inspiring person, that he was a a good role model. They may even try to follow him. They'll say that they respect his words and hold him up as a, a, a wonderful example of loving others. And yet, all that praise of Jesus really is still keeping him at just a man, just another human being. Maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest human being, but just a mere human being. And what makes that kind of praise of Jesus sound good is that there's others out in the world that want to deny that he even really existed at all. Or maybe they'll say there was this man that walked the roads of Palestine, but that most of what we know about him is a myth or a legend made up by the early church to keep control over the people. Even though history doesn't fit that kind of thinking, it fits their theories. And so it can be tempting to think that, well, if we praise Jesus as a great human being, at least least we're saying more about him than those people are. But as you well know, dear friends, to confess Jesus means more than to say that he existed or to say that he was a great human being. Jesus asked his disciples, and what does Peter answer? What does Peter answer when Jesus asks the disciples about who he is? Peter clearly and directly tells the truth. The Christ of God, he says. Now how often do you think about that word, Christ? We we use that word a lot, just attaching it to the name Jesus, saying Jesus Christ. But when we understand what that word is, we see that it's much more than just a second name for Jesus. It's a word that's filled with vivid, living pictures of what Jesus came to do for us. It's a word that is is more of a job title or job description than merely a name. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, which is the Hebrew word for the anointed one. 
In Bible times, people were anointed with olive oil when they were supposed to do a very special work. For example, young David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to show that he would one day do the work of king, that he would be king of Israel. Now Jesus was not anointed with olive oil, but with the Holy Spirit in full measure to show that that work that he was to do was going to be greater than any other work ever imagined. And what was that work? The work of saving sinners, saving you and me. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, whom the scriptures had promised, whom the Lord God himself had promised to send to be the Savior that we fallen sinners desperately needed. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed king who crushed Satan's power over us, just as the Lord promised Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed priest who offered himself as the Lamb of God, the only sacrifice that could take away the sins of the world. All the other Old Testament sacrifices were a shadow of the great atonement that Jesus, the anointed high priest, would work for us. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed prophet. He did more than simply speak the messages of God like the prophets of old did. He himself was the message, the word from God. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. He alone could make the Father known. Jesus is the Christ. And as the Christ, he did that work that no mere human being could do. The work of saving us sinners as our prophet, priest, and king. And so Jesus is not just a human being, is he? He is our eternal, almighty God. The Father sent his Son on this mission to do the work of the Christ the work of saving us sinners. And so the divine Son became fully human as well, for only as the God-man could he be the Christ, as the scriptures had foretold. Only as the God-man could he be the Christ, who does that work that no one else could do, that work, that divine work of salvation. Who is Jesus? He is the Christ sent by God. That is what we want to confess in our words and actions. That Jesus is your God and Savior who has done that work of the Christ to save you from your sins. And since Jesus has done that work, since he has accomplished his mission, he is truly that Savior you and I need. He is your Savior from sin and death. That too is part of what it means to confess who Jesus is. And that brings us to the second part here today. As we confess who Jesus is, we confess not only that he is the Christ of God, but that also that he is your Savior whom you follow. Now, as we look at what Jesus says here in the text, we may wonder at first why he tells the disciples not to be telling others that he is the Christ, the Savior at this point. And the reason for that is the disciples themselves, 
did not clearly understand how Christ, how the Christ would carry out this saving work. Jesus is beginning to explain that to them and, and will show them how this is the fulfillment of the scriptures. And even more so, the crowds had a many misunderstandings about who the Christ was. And so this specific message they weren't to spread until after Jesus had accomplished that work by his death and resurrection. And that, dear friends, that is the time that we live in. The time in which Jesus sends out his followers, sends out you and me to share that good news that he is the Savior, our Savior, the only Savior from sin and death. And you well know how he accomplished that work. Jesus sums it up here by telling his disciples that he would suffer many things. He would be tried and rejected by the Jewish ruling council, and in fact, he would be killed. And that's the way it had to be. That's the way it had to be to fulfill the scriptures and to rescue us sinners, to to bring us salvation. But it didn't end there, did it? Jesus adds, And on the third day be raised to life. That, too, is the way it had to be, according to the scriptures. And without Jesus' resurrection, he is no savior. For we would be lost in doubt and unbelief if Jesus lay dead in a tomb still today. For you see, when God raised Jesus from the dead that first Easter, that third day, that was God's seal of approval that he accepted Jesus' sacrifice as payment in full for all of our sins. That was God's verdict that he declared sinners like you and me not guilty because of Jesus' life and death. Yes, Easter is the mark of Christ's victory over sin and over death. And so he is the Savior, the only Savior from sin and death. He is your Savior, dear friend. So follow him. Yes, follow him as you you leave the the church here today. Follow him as you head off to college or to wherever else life takes you. Follow him. For he is the Savior, your only Savior. Now, Now, what does that mean to follow Jesus? Jesus tells us, doesn't he? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Jesus talks about denying ourselves. Notice how he doesn't talk about giving up this or that thing, but he says we are to deny our very self. My thoughts and opinions, my feelings and wants, my choices and decisions, even my sense of fairness and of right and wrong, all take second place to what my God says. That is to deny myself, placing our God first. And how that causes conflict with what our sinful nature wants inside of us, and also causes conflict as we live in this sinful world around us. You see, when we believe and do what our God says, 
That brings the world's ridicule. It brings trouble. It brings hardships. It brings loss. Those are the crosses that Jesus talks about here. The crosses that come as we follow Jesus and place him first, despite what the world wants us to do. Think about that as you head off into the world, as you head off to college. When we follow Jesus, we will not fit into this world. We will not blend in. But rather than compromising with the world, keep following Jesus. For you see, as Jesus says here, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. In other words, if we follow our natural way of thinking of what it means to to live a good life, in the end we're going to end up losing everything. For you see, our fallen mind tells us a whole bunch of things that aren't right. Our, Our fallen mind will maybe tell us that God will accept us if we're simply true to ourselves and, uh, um, and try our best. Or our fallen minds may tell us, well, you know, you can't really trust God to take care of you tomorrow, so you better hold on and, and trust what you got today to see you through. Or our sinful minds may say that you don't know what tomorrow brings, so live it up today. And all of that, all of those are roads that lead to hell. As Jesus said here, whoever wants to save his life will lose it when we follow our own natural way of thinking of what it means to live. But then he adds, whoever loses his life for me will save it. In other words, dear Christian friends, count everything as a loss compared to Christ. Yes, even our earthly happiness, even our earthly existence itself, count it as a loss compared to knowing Jesus as your Savior from sin and death. Count it as a loss compared to following Him. For as we follow Him and count all as a loss, then we know that no matter what we go through in this life, no matter what sadness or grief or sorrow or loss we face in heaven, You still have eternal riches that will last for all of eternity. For you see, Jesus, Jesus is your Savior. The Savior who came from his glorious throne in heaven and humbled himself even to death on the cross for you. He is your glorious Savior who humbled himself even to death on that cross so that through his poverty you might become rich, rich toward God. For he has paid the debt of your sin up in full. And he has risen from the dead. So that you can live each day with that confidence that no matter what happens to you, no matter what the loss, no matter what the cross, no matter what you face at college or at at work or anywhere else in life, your Savior who has loved you so much that he died for you is ruling over all things. And will certainly be with you to take care of you as you follow him. And so, dear friends, dear graduates, follow Jesus by living for him as you live with that confidence that he is your Savior. Show others just what a great Savior he is by denying yourself and placing him first. And in this way, 
no matter what the loss, you can live your life with that confidence that Jesus is with you. And he will see you through until he brings you to the eternal glory of heaven. For he is the Savior we need. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.